Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here. This is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. So glad that you're tuning in with us. This, of course, is a ministry, Precept Ministries in Canada, and we are excited to be able to use uh, the tool of podcasting to uh, engage people in relationship with God's Word. And so our hope and our desire is that as you tune into this podcast on a bi-weekly basis, that you yourself are digging into the scriptures and studying God's truth for yourself. And we have a tool that you can be studying the book of Romans uh, with me, and it's the new inductive study series on the book of Romans, 15 to 20 minutes a day of homework. It's an overview of the book of Romans, and I hope and pray that uh, you may be using that tool. If not, you can go to our website and pick it up. And uh, allow this podcast not to be the only method of way you're learning about Romans, but get into the Word for yourself and know what it says and see the words uh, for yourself. Read them, study them, uh, observe, interpret, and apply. And so uh, before we get started in this week's episode, just want to remind you of a couple things that are coming up. In July, Tommy Hamill from Precepting the U.S. will be joining us. Uh, She'll be walking through a workshop called Understanding a Difficult Passage, a three-day workshop being held here in Brantford at our training facility, and uh, there are limited spaces. We've probably got room for uh, between 50 and 70 people. We've got some good registrations so far for it, so I want to make sure that you know about it, and if you want to join us, uh, you can and uh, register for that online. Cross Canada Tour coming up this fall. Uh, All of our locations are booked, but we are excited to be able to take these training uh, beyond those uh, two weeks that we're already doing it. And if you want uh, us to come to your church and do this uh, Truth Speaks training workshop, I would encourage you to get in touch with Shelly at training at preceptministries.ca. We'd love to do it. We're not limiting the Cross Canada Tour just to a two-week time, but we want to cross Canada maybe more than once uh, this uh, year. And so looking forward to that. Uh, Check out our website for all the workshops that we're offering both online and in person. And if you want to uh, grow in God's Word with another group of people, you can also go to our website and find out about online classes that are currently being offered in multiple uh, homework levels. And so uh, what a great opportunity it is to, to study God's Word uh, together. And I'm thankful that we can use this tool here to be able to uh, really, uh, Lord willing, enhance what you're already studying in the book of Romans. And so uh, let me commit our time again to the Lord, and uh, then we'll get right into this week's episode. Father, we do thank you for uh, this opportunity we have yet again this week to study your word, to look into the scriptures and better understand this book of Romans. And Father, we know that uh, in the world that we're living in, we're, we're in a battle for truth. And we know that when we can look straight to your word, we can count on your word because it, it is truth, because it is spoken by you. And Lord, I pray that as this podcast goes out, that it would reach uh, people who who may be struggling with uh, these foundational truths and that this would solidify them, but also encourage them to to take their study deeper into the Word of God for themselves. So, Lord, we thank you for precept. We thank you for the ministry that you have raised up. And we thank you for the tool of inductive Bible study that helps us understand your Word and who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the second segment of this series on Romans. First segment, let me remind you of that. It was four episodes, uh, and we were looking at the problem of sin and the solution being Jesus. Uh, we did an overview 
of the entire letter, and we broke down some of the historical context. Then we looked at how the gospel is the power to save. We also looked at God's wrath and the uh, Jewish people, that they too are without excuse and that God shows no partiality when it comes to sin. Uh, God hates sin. Uh, We also saw in chapter 3 that every person, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, everyone needs salvation. Then uh, we moved into the second segment. This segment is going to be five episodes, and it's going to take us just to about the summertime. Then we're going to break, and we'll come back uh, in the fall for segments three and four. Uh, Segments three and four are going to be fantastic, and they might get extended a little bit, but we'll see because uh, we're teaching through segment three right now, and there are some powerful, powerful things that we're learning through segment three. And then uh, in segment two, we looked at Abraham's example and how he was the father of the Jewish people, and he was uh, saved by faith or considered righteous by faith. And then we last week in last week's episode, we looked at Uh, one man's sin and how one man saves. So we looked at the first and second Adam and the examples that what Adam did and brought sin into the world and how Jesus uh, came and he died for our sins and he defeated sin. And through that, we have the gift of eternal life. Through the next uh, three episodes, we're moving into that sanctification discussion. Uh, These episodes, uh, the next three, are really going to be focusing on, you know, therefore having been justified. Now, how do we live in that manner? And I'm praying, and I've been praying for for the time in, in the preparation of this and thinking through this, not only for my life, but for all of us who are listening, is how do we uh, be more conformed to the image of Jesus. And so how do we really live in light of our justification? And so I kept thinking about these things and how we live in a world where uh, people look and people see and people watch for things like believers messing up so that they can say, well, you know, this Christian faith is all about do's and don'ts. And people really aren't changed by by the things that happen in their lives or their profession of faith. I still see hate and still see anger. And that's one of the things that we see a lot from the world that screams at the Christian. And because of a world that is trying to conform everybody into a certain belief system. And if you don't fall into that belief system, you are some sort of, you have some sort of phobia. And whatever that phobia is, uh, means that you actually have hate. And then the response comes back and says, but if you have a loving God, how can you hate people? That, that's what the world looks at when they see uh, the, the, some of the people in the Christian faith. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We, we may not be afraid of things that are around us, but we just know that as we conform to the image of God, and we know that God hates sin, therefore we hate sin, and it's got nothing to do with the individual. It's got everything to do with the fact that we hate sin. And we know that sin is going to be dealt with. And this is one of the things that we've looked at in past episodes. And honestly, if you have not joined our mailing list and been a part of it, I would encourage you to do that and sign up for it on our website because uh, we have been writing. I've been writing as well for the ministry and each month releasing uh, a new letter based on the book of Romans. And we just released uh, last this month, I think. Uh, an ep- uh, a writing on the wrath of God and and the thing that we're not supposed to talk about. Shh. We're not supposed to talk about the wrath of God. We're only supposed to talk about the grace of God and how God is a loving God. But God is only a loving God because he loves his he loves his people, but and he needs to deal with the sin problem. This is what we've seen. Uh, through that segment one. And so as we move through these sanctification, this is all about us being more conformed to the image of God and knowing that 
if God hates sin and we conform and we want to be more like him, we too need to have the mindset that we hate sin and we need to deal with sin properly. And so as Paul, he's working through this argument of justification by faith. And I've said this in previous episodes, we need to think about this like a court case. And so what Paul is doing is he's presenting his um, argument in front of the court. And he's telling the people that their justification is based on faith and faith alone, and that it is the only way to be saved from the wrath of God. And he also says that, you know, we've all sinned, we all fall short, we all need a Savior. And here, as he's presenting these things, and as he works through the example of Abraham, and he's now addressing the Jews, and he says, it's not the law that saves, it's not the law that justifies, it is only Jesus that justifies. Well, what you'd have in that courtroom is you'd have uh, a debating lawyer, a lawyer on the other side. And when something's not said properly in the court or they want uh, to draw attention to maybe something being said wrong or they don't like it, they yell, I object. I object to what's being said. And then the judge has the opportunity to have that statement uh, removed from the um, the court recording or they can give permission for that lawyer to continue on regardless of the objection that's being made. And so what Paul does in the previous chapter is he has shown us that it is justification by faith and faith alone. And then the opposing group here now says, I object to that. I object to that, the fact that it is by faith and faith alone. And Paul, starting in Romans chapter 6, he's going to address the first of three objections. And this first objection that he is going to reject, all right, so the objection he's going to reject is this. Objection one is that if God's grace abounds when we sin, we need to keep sinning so we can experience more grace. All right, so this is the the first of the three objections. That's the next three episodes, looking at the three objections that Paul has. All right, so in Romans 6 to 8, okay, so chapter 6 to 8, which really encompasses the large part of this second segment that we're looking at, Paul will address these objections by explaining to the believers that they have three things, all right? The three objections that will come will result in three things. Here are the three things that come from the three objections. The first is that you, you and I, as well as the recipients of this letter, they can live in victory, they can live in liberty, and they can live in security. All right, this week, we're going to look at the first one, which is that they can live in victory. All right, so let's look at how we can live in victory over sin. Within this chapter, chapter 6, Paul is going to give us three important instructions. So let's look at those three instructions together. All right, so let's uh, read the first segment, segment of Romans chapter 6. And as Paul works through these objections, he is the one who is kind of looking forward. And as he's building his argument, he's saying, I know they're going to object to this and they're going to ask questions. And so he's already perceiving the questions and he's writing them within his letter. And so he reasons with the recipients of the letter by questioning. All right, which is a great precept thing. Precept loves to have discussions uh, out of reasoning through the text together. What shall we say then? Are we to continue continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might too walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. All right, so let's look at this first point that we want to walk through, okay? And the first point is coming from verses 1 to 10. All right, so in 1 to 10, uh, the first kind of instruction that Paul has comes from, again, one of those key words. And remember, we've, we've wrapped this together in the last couple of weeks. Key words are important words that are repeated within the text, and if they're removed from the text, uh, the text loses its meaning. In verses 1, 6, and 9 of this chapter 6, there is the word no. All right, and so uh, no is repeated in these verses. Uh, verse, sorry, verse 3, 6, and 9. Okay, not verse 1, verse 3, uh, 6, and 9. All right, so let's look at the first one. It's, uh, or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? In verse 6, it says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. In verse 9, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, and death no longer is master over him. So when in God's word there's a repeated word, God wants to know us to know something. He wants us to see this repetition and look at it and list it out. All right, so what Paul here is doing is he wants the people to understand, all right, to fully understand. The, the word know in the Greek, for us to get an understanding of the definition, when he, in the phrase, or do you not know, all right, let me put that, this into, you know, into 2023 uh, language, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe I'm not cool enough to give you the 2023 language, but he's like, duh, don't you get it? All right, so uh, verse 5, chapter 5, therefore, having been justified. All right, so we're going to look closer at this. But the very fact is, is he's like, don't you get it? Don't you get, don't you understand that uh, because of therefore having been justified, you're no longer the same person that you were before? that you have changed, that you have transferred positions. So he, he wants them to know and understand these truths. And this is the thing for Christians, all right? Christians must learn the Word of God, all right? I, I suspect if you're listening to this podcast, this is a valuable piece of, of, of your life that you want to know and you desire to know God's word better. And praise the Lord that you want that. But we don't just need to know the word of God with head knowledge that we can draw off all of these great verses and all of these great stories and talk about them with people, but we need to know God's word. And so uh, we need God's word, and we are absolutely dependent on it to live a life that brings glory to God. We cannot live a life that brings glory to God without the word of God being a crucial part of our lives. Uh, We are absolutely dependent on it. One scholar described it this way, and he said, if Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, he can keep him impotent. (laughs) Wow. So if a Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, all right, let's easy, easy explanation for this, not in the know. 
uh, one who doesn't fully comprehend and understand, is one who is ignorant to the subject. But, but when he says that a Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, he can also keep him impotent. The idea is ineffective, helpless, or powerless. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter also talks about this. And Peter talks about these qualities that should be growing within our lives. He says uh, in verse 4, five, for by these, uh, by these he has granted to us, first of all, verse 3, uh, seeing his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. All right, this true knowledge that he's talking about is a fuller knowledge and understanding of the position that we're now living in as children of God, this fuller knowledge or true knowledge only comes by that of being a Christian. All right, this is a full understanding of what God has done for us and how he has called us into his glory and excellence. The The definition in the Greek that helps us to understand this knowledge, this epinosis, is this knowledge that forms and shapes the way we live. All right, that's vital for us to know. And then Peter, as he continues, because you've got this knowledge, this true knowledge that forms and shapes the way you live, he says, for by these promises, he has uh, granted to us his precious, magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Do you see? There's a change. There's a change from being in the corrupt world to partaking in the divine promises. Now, for this reason, because you have been changed in position, but be diligent. And in your diligence, uh, which is make every effort possible by, in your faith, supply moral excellence. Be good in your moral excellence knowledge, in your nor- in. And that knowledge there is gnosis in the Greek, and it's a, it's an informative knowledge. It it takes work to gain that knowledge. And how do you gain that knowledge to live more like Christ? You study the Word of God, and as you study the Word of God, Peter says that out of knowledge comes self control. Out of self control, perseverance. Out of perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, what is the eventual things that come out of being more like Christ? Love for your brothers and a general attitude of love, this brotherly love, this sacrificial love for one another. And he says, for if these qualities in verse 8 are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the epinosis, true knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so right here, he's saying, do you don't you get it? Don't you get it that you you need to study the word of God that as you grow in the word of God you're going to gain self-control and perseverance and brotherly kindness and godliness all these characteristics that cause you to be more and more like Christ and out the outflowing of being more like Christ is that you are going to love your brother and you're going to have a general attitude of love towards others, and those things, all of those things, they bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And so that's what Paul wants you to know. And so he's just gone through all of these important things that about, uh, you know, the sin problem, the Jesus answer, the justification by faith. In Romans 3, 21 verses 5 to 21 he talks about substitution and i went through and i created a quick list on the principle of substitution in chapter 321 to 521 and listen to how what jesus was substituted for meaning he stepped into my place uh he died for me all right, so the, the principle of substitution, he died for me when I should die. He died for my sins. He carried my sin to the cross. Jesus also paid the penalty of sin for all mankind. 
He bore the wrath of God on his back. It is he that in the process of him dying for me and dying for my sins and carrying the penalty of sin, that justification, righteousness was imputed to my account. Instead of sin being on my account, I now have righteousness because I believe in what the work of the cross did for me. I am saved by his death. And so as Paul is working through these things, he's saying, don't you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, having been baptized into his death? And so what Paul is talking about here is we may look and know about the the physical baptism that we see in churches, but we are identifying with Christ through uh, the death, burial, and resurrection. This is a, a metaphor for us to know that when he died and we believe in him, we died. And that when he rose again, we rose again in him. So these things are all a part of this identification. So Romans 3, 21 to 5, 21 are all about the substitution of where Christ stepped into my place. Romans 6 teaches us about identification. And so identification means that we now identify with him. When he died, I died with him. He died unto sin. I must now die to my sin. He's broken the power of sin in my life. And because of that, all of that, I am free. I'm now free from sin. And now I have to work through this process called sanctification, which in the last two episodes we have defined. We set up this definition for this very day in this very episode that is releasing. Sanctification is righteousness imparted. Sanctification is that righteousness is now made a part of my life, that now as I am justified in Christ. I am made right before God. I now have to be conformed to his image. I am saved by his life. You see, justification by faith is so much more than a transaction. It's so much more than something that has taken place in like a legal term. All right, that there was an exchange that was made. And it's so much more than that because it is now a relationship. You see, pre, pre, we were not, pre-justification, pre-righteousness, we could not be in relationship with God. Why? Because God hates sin. And so we need to understand that when he died, I died. When he rose, I rose with him, and I changed my position. Now, if you've been following along, you're probably thinking to yourself, uh, I know exactly where he's going. We, he goes here all the time. Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. How can you not? Paul explains it so well in these verses. And you were dead in your trespasses in sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So this is all about a positional change. Before righteousness, justification, we were dead. We were destined for the wrath of God. And then you get verse 4. Again, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not as the result of works, so that no one can boast. For we have his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. Do you see the difference here? Do you see what's happened before? We were dead in our sin, but God, rich in his grace and mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, and that when we believe in that sin and we we lay down our life before him and we proclaim that we want Jesus to be Savior and Lord over our lives, that we identify with him, that we kill off our old self, that we die with him, and that when we raise, we are raised in the newness of life. And when we're raised in the newness of life, sin has no power over us and we are now free. We are free from sin. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 6. Therefore, being buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the death through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Change. There is change there. You were once destined for death, but now, because of God, because of our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection, that he died for our sin, that he died for all sin, that he took the penalty of sin on his back, that he took the wrath of God for us, and when he was raised from the dead, he defeated sin and death, and because of that, our sins are forgiven, and we have life. And when we believe that we now have life in him and we identify him, we are free. The past must be killed off. We no longer live in the former manner of life. That's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says, Formerly you walked in the power of the prince of the air. You were a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now a slave to righteousness, as we'll see. You see, it is so much more than a transaction of moving from one position to another position because, as Hebrews tells us, we are now in relationship, in good standing with God. In Ephesians, it tells us we are now seated at the right hand of Jesus. Imagine having a position change of once being looked at as just being sin and in Adam and destined for wrath but the grace of God and his love poured out for us changes our position. And we now are in unity and relationship with God. And so this baptism that he's talking about here, the baptism that we see in the churches today, and I just loved doing baptisms in the Jordan River, and I've got to pause for a moment, and I've got to just tell you about this man. I have no idea who this man was. We were baptizing people from our tour group in the Jordan River, and many of them uh, baptized by immersion for the first time. Praise the Lord. So exciting. And there's this man standing off to the side, and he's waving, and he's tapping his hands, and he's tapping his chest, and he's, he's like, yo, me, me, baptize me next. And I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is, but come on, get in the water. Let me baptize you. He comes into the water, and I ask him, is the Lord, is Lord Jesus, is he the Lord of your life? Have you professed your love for Jesus Christ? He says, yes, I have. And we put him under the water, and he died to his old self and he was raised up in newness of life and he threw his arms in the air and he was cheering and he was so excited and he was like new life new life absolutely amazing and he walked away and a couple of his buddies were looking to be baptized too and he's like they were like how did you get baptized already who did that for you and the joy that was in that man's life was absolutely exciting why 
because as he went through that baptism, he was professing to everybody along the banks of the Jordan River that he was showing to us that he was inwardly changed, that his life was changed forever because of the grace of God and through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was showing outwardly a physical symbol of what has happened to him internally. I was like, this is so cool. I got, I said to my friend who's a pastor on the trip, I said, who was that guy? Who was he? I've never seen that guy before in my life, and I may never see him again. But to watch his celebration and the celebration of the others who were on the tour that were professing that they have had an inward change in their life, to see the love of Jesus in their lives was absolutely amazing. Why? They identify with the fact that they have killed off their old self. And that is the process of sanctification. When we are changed in that moment when we accept the Lord Jesus as and put him as Lord over our lives, there are still things in our lives that we need to deal with. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect and that we're going to be without sin. We're going to have sin. But we need to realize that we have changed. Verse, seven, verse 10 tells us this. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. What, what we're learning here in verse 10, dead to sin means dead. It is dead to the ruling power of sin in our lives. That sin may still be creeping into the back of our ear, those sins that we had before in our lives that is there in the background and it's saying, you know, I'm creeping in, I'm coming back. It doesn't have to rule us. We have the ability to overpower that sin and say no because we want to be dead to it. And so what does Paul want you to know in that first reasoning question is this. Don't you get it? That you continuing to live in the sin, thinking that grace will abound more, is wrong. Paul says, I object to that. Because you are dead to sin. Because you now identify with Jesus. That you're now part of the family of God. That you can't live the way that you used to live. Because the way that you used to live did not bring glory and honor to God. What brings glory and honor to God is living in obedience to him as a child of God. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that comes through that, that first key word of no, and all of these things help us to, to truly understand. Don't you get it? You can't live like you used to. You're a new person. You're a new creature. You've been raised in the newness of life. Be obedient to God. Live by his word. Bring glory to him in all that you do. All right, let's look at the second command. Okay, so the first command is to know. Uh, know all of this. Uh, put it in your head. Help you to understand these truths, but then make them a part of your life. And the second command comes uh, down in verse 11. In verse 11, he says, uh, Even consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, so uh, let's, let's go back. No, don't you get it? Okay, or do you not know the phrase? Don't you get it? You need, to, you need to understand this. You need to put all of this together. Start putting the puzzle pieces together. And then consider is this. Put together these principles and truths in your mind. All right, that's the definition. It's to, to reckon or to count, okay? So these are accounting terms that Paul is using here. So really for us to understand and put it together 
in our minds. All right, so now that you know these things, now you need to uh, believe them in your heart. Okay, so you go from know about it in head knowledge, and now you need to put it together in your mind, and you need to count it as true. That what God says in his word is true. And so even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Christ. All right, this is the simple point of point number two in a three-point, you know, discussion or lecture or whatever you want to call what we're, we're doing right now. Put together in your mind that we must live by faith. We must live by faith in trusting what the Word of God says. And so if the Word of God says that if we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Christ's death on the cross, that he carried the penalty of sin and the wrath of God for us, and that when we believe in him, we have eternal life, that we are right with God, that we now are in right relationship with him, and all of that is true. Why? Because God says it's true. No matter what the enemy, no matter what anybody else tells you, God's word can be counted on to tell you that you are in right standing with God. Doesn't matter if somebody says, oh, you should have that sin completely defeated in your life and you should have no sin in your life because that's what true believers do. Well, no, we still know, and we're going to see in future chapters, there's still a battle being waged with sin. Last time I checked, Jesus is not reigning on this earth. He's still at the right hand of the Father waiting to be sent back to this earth to come back and complete defeat and destroy sin and set up his kingdom and rule forever. Sin is still in the world. Paul in Corinthians talked about temptations that come. We see that in the life of Job, that he was tempted to curse God. Even his friends told him, curse God. His wife told him to curse God and die because of the sin that was, uh, that he had all these troubles because of sin. Even though God said that Job was a righteous man, right before God. And so we need to understand that no matter what voices in the world tell us that we're not right with God, we are. Why? Because the word of God says it and it is true. And so we need to count, all right? So this counting or reckoning or putting together in one's mind is now putting your faith into action. It is the very fact that despite what circumstances or feelings or voices that are in the world that may tell you different, you can rest on the truth of God's word. And this is the problem with today. The today, we have so many voices. We have so many people speaking their own truth. And if you don't align with that truth or are forced into that truth, you're in trouble. They even have classes now when you speak out of term that the best way to deal with you speaking out of term of what the world believes is now is the truth is you can now take classes in conformity to be okay and how to deal with this truth that may not be true according to the Word of God. We've got to rest in the truth of the Word of God, that every word is the very voice of God And despite circumstances, feelings, or voices, we can count on what he says. We are right with him. The world is teaching the opposite today. Even within the church, the church is teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. All right, let's look at the third one before we completely run out of time. There's there's a lot to cover here, but a short amount of time. Uh, Let's look at verses 12 to 23. 
All right, so first you need to know, then you need to consider or reckon or put together in one's mind. And then in verse 12, all the way to 23, which we'll read, then we'll come to the point. Verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that so that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness, but present yourselves to God as though alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be the master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Or do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, resulting in death, or of obedience, resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weaknesses of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your bodies, uh, your members, as slaves to the righteousness resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Uh, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome being eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. Here's the third thing that we need to do, and you may have heard the key word coming through uh, a few times, but the key word here is present. The principle that we need to know in present is that we need to submit to God. Uh, Paul will readdress this submission in part uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. But I'm going to give to you today in our episode three reasons why we need to submit. The first of these three is that the promise of God causes us to be obedient and live a life that glorifies God. Why? Because the salvation of God has been extended to us. So the grace of God that was extended to us that caused us to be changed from one position to another, these things should cause us to be living a life of obedience. He says in verse 17, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching that you were commit being committed. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You see, Paul is telling us here that there is a heart transformation that has taken place. And so when we submit to God and we submit ourselves to him, we are submitting to that identifying. We're identifying with him. All right, so uh, the purpose and the point is because we are new children, because we are new people in Jesus, that we are submitting to the truth of God's word, and we are letting God's word form us and shape us and help us to be conformed to the image of God. And because we're being conformed to the image of God, we are living in obedience to him. We're no longer slaves to sin we're a slave to our new relationship, which is in right standing with God. We want to submit because a life submitted and a life obedient brings glory to God. Here's the second reason we need to submit. The second is absolutely amazing, and it is because we are now free. When we submit to God, 
and we allow Lord, the Lord to rule over our lives and we live an obedient life to him, we are free. We're no longer shackled by the chains of sin. When we submit to sin, it has power over us. Paul tells us this all through Romans chapter 6, that, that sin once had power over us. And you see, here's the thing, what we need to understand is that when we submit to Christ, we're free from sin and we are made a servant of Christ. We're no longer a servant of sin. It's so good to know that we are free. There's a great song, and due to copyright, I, I can't play it on the podcast for you, but you can go and you can check it out. And it is, it is done by Vertical uh, Worship Group, uh, and it's from their album called The Rock Won't Move, and the song is called uh, Jailbreak. Uh, free from the shackles, free from sin, uh, I'm going free because of Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. Let me, let me uh, pull up the, the lyrics here for you and just uh, be able to get you the uh, beauty of these truths. He says, go on and speak against my borrowed innocence. The judge is my defense. I'm going free. Right when the gavel fell, I heard the freedom bell ring through the heart of hell. I'm going free. I'm going free. He says, glory, glory, hallelujah. You threw my shackles in the sea. Jesus is my liberty. I'm going free. And he says in the next verse, the singer says, I won't go back again. That's just not who I am. Lord, I'm a brand new man. I'm going free. I'm on the narrow road. It's paved with grace and hope. I'm going to lead me home. It's going to lead me home. I'm going free. Glory, glory, hallelujah. It's absolutely an amazing song with a great beat. You've got to go and listen to it. But it's freedom of living in sin, in free from sin. When we submit to Christ, we have sin removed and we are free. Sin has no power over us anymore. It's absolutely amazing. We were once dead, but now we're alive. We're now free from sin and in right relationship with Jesus. Uh, verse uh, number three, uh, the last reason to submit is that in submission, being obedient, we're free from sin, and living a life that brings glory and honor to God produces good fruit. You see, every worker in the world that works gets paid a wage. All right, so everybody is paid their, their worth. Their, they get a paycheck, whether it be weekly or biweekly, whatever it may be. But you get paid for what you do. In the same way, Paul says that when you are a slave to sin and you are a worker of sin, right? So sin is ruler over your life. He's your boss. The payment, the paycheck for sin is death. But my submission to Christ, I'm not saved by my works, but my submission and my faith in Christ Jesus, that is what saves me. And through that salvation, and as I live and I go through the process of sanctification, I'm conformed to the image of God becoming more holy, and as I become more holy and prepared to meet Jesus, I am taking on those characteristics that we looked at in Second Peter, the result, the payday of living a life obedient to God and being, bringing him glory and honor, the paycheck for that everlasting life. We want to produce good fruit. We want to produce fruit that glorifies God. And so that's the change. You see, when we lived in sin and we committed those sins, we saw in Romans chapter 1 that, that some of those unrighteous people, they praised and worshipped those who sinned much like them. 
But here, when a believer lives a life obedient to Christ through the submission, through faith in Jesus, that they want to, from the heart, from the heart, live a life that obeys God. Not based on what some might say in the world. I don't want that religion because it's filled with all kinds of laws and do's and don'ts. My response to that, every time I encounter somebody with that and they say, why would I want to be a religion that is filled with all kinds of do's and don'ts? My response is always this. My faith is not about do's and don'ts. You see, Jesus, he came to this earth and he lived the life of a humble man. He died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and he has freed me from my sin. He's now put me into right relationship with God. I no longer face the wrath of God. And because I no longer face the wrath of God, I am so thankful that I now can stand before God and I want to, from the bottom of my heart, I want to because I love God and what he's done for me through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to be obedient to him. I want to glorify him. I want him to see a changed life in me. I want to do these things, not because I have to. I want to do them because one of those things that is produced out of my study of the Word of God and that gnosis, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness. I want to be like the one I follow. I want to be like Jesus. And trust me, folks, be, before we even continue on, I've still got a long way to go. Still got a long way to go to be conformed to the image of Christ. But that is my heart's desire. That's why I study the Word. That's why I do these podcasts. That's why I serve in the way that I do. Because I want to bring glory and honor to God in my life. I don't only want to see fruit come out of the ministry I do, I want to see fruit born out of my life. And as it comes out of my life, may it impact the ministry that I do. These three instructions are, are vital to the Christian life. We must know that we have been crucified with Christ and are dead to sin. We must consider these facts to be true in our lives. And we must submit to God and live a life obedient to him and glorify him in all that we do. And we do these things. We will see fruit in our lives. We will see fruit in our ministry. And we will have an impact for the kingdom of God in this world. Father, we do thank you for these truths again for these facts that have been laid down for us, for the things that you want us to know, for the things that you want us to consider and to reckon and, and put together in our mind to be true. And Father, to submit to you. Lord, I pray for every person listening on this podcast today that maybe there are some that are really struggling with believing that sin still reign in, reigns in their life as a believer that, Father, they would remember these truths, that they are no longer slaves to sin, but they are slaves to righteousness, and our desire is to glorify you. But, Father, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to show us the areas in our lives where, where we need to be sanctified, where we need to be changed. That sin still is rampant in the world, that Satan still would like to see us fall. Help us to defeat those things by your power, by your word of God. Father, give us a hunger for your truth. Give us a hunger to study these truths 
verse by verse in the word for ourselves because it is your word washing across our lives that changes us, that causes us to fall deeper in love with you and want to be more like you. So Lord, help us to be, be more like you this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website presetministries.ca to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.